Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. All right, it's Metal Shop here, 99.9 KISW. If you hear uh, some people in the background, it's because we're hanging out at the substation. Obviously, people are are uh, loading in for the show tonight. We're here before the, the actual show starts. Uh, there's practice spaces all over, so bands are probably, probably getting ready to, for a big weekend, uh, practicing up their set. Uh, we've got Matt Harvey from Exhumed, man, from San Jose. They're a death grind band. Just put out Horror Killer Record on Relapse Records this year. Uh, well, we got our big uh, 2019 year-end list coming up. I think it might have to show up on that list. Uh, how's it going, Matt? It's going great, man. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving. How do you celebrate when you're on the road? Like, do you uh, go to a Denny's? <laughs> you go to a, a Cracker Barrel? It depends. You know, uh, traditionally, uh, when we've been on tour on Thanksgiving, we've been in areas that have Cracker Barrels. Sure. This year, I, I don't know. I don't think you guys have No Cracker Barrels there, yeah. yeah. But we, uh, we got together with our buddies in Necrot, and yep. we got an Airbnb. We just rented out a whole house. Cool. Uh, we did a big grocery shop. And, okay. And uh, their, their crew guy, Ricardo, is a... Italian chef by trade. That's awesome. So we just sort of like threw a bunch of food at him and let him go wild, and uh, you know came up with something nice. Oh yeah, it was it was great. It was a really nice day. We just hung out, got drunk, ate a lot of food. You know, normal Thanksgiving. That's great. Called man. my mom. You know, like a good son would. Absolutely. And uh, then got trashed. It was a great day. So you guys have been like road dogs for a long time now. Long living, uh, long standing band. Been toured a long time. Have you pretty much been on tour for every major holiday? Um, well, no, because I mean, you you would never really be on tour for Christmas okay. because there comes a, a point pretty quickly in the month of December where it's too gnarly. It's just a the weather is is prohibitive, but really everybody's discretionary income is going towards Christmas. Oh, yeah. And if you're like, well, I got to buy this thing that my girlfriend or my wife or whoever oh, yeah. wants to keep them happy for several months, versus do I want to blow? 50 bucks on going to a show and buying a shirt and having yep. a couple of beers it's a pretty it's a no brainer you gotta you know oh yeah you gotta maintain the home life so everybody's kind of focused on Christmas and that sort of takes over uh, about December 10th yeah December 12th is really like the last kind of couple of days sure. you can really get away with doing shows so never been on tour for Christmas uh, many, 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 many birthdays, many Thanksgivings, oh, yeah. Labor Day, uh, you know, everything else, Memorial Day. Um, and uh, I don't think we've ever played a show on New Year's, which kind of bums me out. Uh, lots of Halloween shows, but never never New Year's. Halloween shows. That, that's uh, got to be a, a cool thing. So do you guys dress up? Um, it depends on kind of how organized we are. Yeah. And also, you know, just time and, and everything permitted. This This year... We had this like 80s slasher idea and we were, we were going to do all this shit, and then we went to the Halloween store and they were out of everything. 
and everything was really expensive. So I'm not going to be sexy Harry Potter, okay? No, <laughs> no, I would not be sexy probably anything. But um, see, I want I want to see the Exhumed New Year's show. Watch you guys chainsaw <laughs> the ball in mid New Year's rocking Eve. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But we ended up going this year as as uh, as yuppies. We all went as like chads. Nice. Um, so we all had like flip flops and Izod yes. shirts and white shorts and What's stuff. What's up, bro? We're yeah. Exhumed. Yeah, it was. It, and we were in Austin, and there's nothing more terrifying to the residents of Austin, Texas than a bunch of yuppies from California. Yep. So we thought that this was the scariest costume we could come up with. And we had fun with it. It was kind of weird playing the, the whole show, though. Like, after <laughs> the third song, I was like, why am I in flip-flops? Oh, yeah, okay, all right, it's Halloween. Did you do, like, a man bun or something? Uh, Sebastian, <laughs> our guitar player, did, and he... he pulled off the, the, the yuppie look disturbingly well. I think because he's a little bit younger and thinner, he looked like a trust fund kid that spent like, you know, a gap year in Tibet, man. And he's yeah. all like, whoa, totally mindfulness, bro. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, God. It's a little scary looking over at the guys like, F- this. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's Ross. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> so your new album, Horror, is out now. Run us through the songwriting process for Exhumed. Is, is it kind of a collaborative thing or is there a main key riff writer of the band or, or how does... Um, take us through the process. Well, we do, you know, our, our guitar player, Sebastian, lives in Baltimore. Uh, our bass player, Ross, lives in Oakland. And our drummer, Mike, actually just moved recently to Ohio. But before that, he and I uh, lived in the same town in California called San Luis Obispo. And so you, generally it starts with I'll come up with a, you know, a, a semi-completed skeleton of a song and then we'll go in the rehearsal room and make sure it actually works and then you know i just send demos to everybody um and you know that that's kind of been the formula um really for the last several albums um where i'm kind of you know i'm I'm steering the boat but uh it's not like a dictatorship it's just that logistically that seems to be the way that it works and um there's it's great to be, you know, to all live in the same town and go in the jam room and play four nights a week and bash out the songs and agonize over them. But it's also a different kind of freedom when you're when you don't have that time commitment and you're able to just sit and be like, hey, I got this idea. Cool. Here's a demo. And of course, now with the Internet and recording technology and everything else, you can put a record out. Like it's that if you right. To. Right. It's extremely easy to do that. So. Um, that's kind of been the formula and um, everybody of course has editorial input and you know at this point I think if anybody didn't like something we would just throw it away we're not going to sit around and fight about riffs you know we got a million riffs so um, but that said Sebastian brought a song to the table The Red Death for this album and Ross wrote the lyrics for that one and then most of the other ones I think I kind of spearheaded Um, and you know it's a it's a like I said, it's not a dictatorship, but it is sort of like a. I end up being the, the kind of prime sure. mover of the band because it's just easier Sorry, that way. Are you the band dad? Um, not on tour. Okay. <laughs> um, I kind of outsource that on tour. Yeah, fair enough. How often does it happen where you have the skeleton or the framework of a song together and one of the bandmates comes in with something sick that just kind of like derails what you were going with, but you have but to. But in a good way. But no. in a good way because it's a really good riff. Yeah, I mean, I love when that happens, honestly, because. Um, you know, it's just a nice surprise, and yeah. we're we're at that age now where we've been doing this long enough. We're not like precious about it; like we don't give a shit. 
when we were totally. in our in our twenties, we used to like get in fist fights. Like, you don't like this riff? No, it's going in the song. Like, I'm gonna yeah. beat you up or throw a fire extinguisher at your head. That was that happened one time. Um, <laughs> but now we've all Brutal. we've all mellowed out a lot, and we just have fun writing and bouncing ideas off each other. And it's uh, it's nice because you know Sebastian also plays in Noisem, where he's one of the you know kind of the the, the primary songwriter. So he's a good person to bounce ideas off of and I, that's I'm awesome pretty prolific so it, it goes really fast you know that's killer uh, so if you're just tuning in right now we're list- we're talking to Matt Harvey from uh, Exhumed and they're playing at the substation by the time you hear this they will have already played but you should pick up their record it's called Horror and uh, he actually mentioned before we went uh, and started recording on the Zoom microphones he actually had his own radio show uh, <laughs> so you had your own radio show when you were in was it a college radio show or was it a, a like an actual like you were kind of getting paid a little bit of money it was it was a weird thing. Um, I was living in Hawaii for a couple of years. I was living on Maui. And, and this was uh, during Exhumed? No. Okay. We, we split up for about five and a half That's years. right, yeah. And this was sort of towards the tail end of that. And um, Maui, obviously, is a small island. Yeah. Um, so you kind of quickly get to know other people that are in the metal sure. or whatever. And I had a buddy that was doing a, uh, a radio show, yeah. um, Aces Radio Rehab. And he had some health issues, and he was not going to be able to do the show for like a month and a half. Okay. It was. And so he just asked me to, to take over while he was sick, and I ended up doing it for, yeah, like almost a couple months, and it was a really fun way to spend a Saturday night. Just, yeah. You know. Uh, we know all about it. We've yeah. been doing that for almost 10 years now. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And, uh, you know, it, it was really cool because it, there's... Again, it's a very small market, but KRKH was the was the radio station. Yeah, and uh, you know it's your typical classic rock that rocks format. Exactly. Um, and I don't know what mega corporation they were owned by, but whatever. But they, it was just it had been a long running thing. Every Saturday night for three hours, there was yeah. this metal show, and it was completely open format. We just sort of did whatever we felt like, you know. It was, it was really good fun. So let's say like you jump in and we get sick all one week for Metal Shop, and you jump in and Matt Harvey's in charge. What would you? What would be your go to like four or five records? You'd be like, all right, we're turning this on. Well, my philosophy was like I would always kind of start conservatively because I think the first hour was 8 to 9 p.m. Yeah. It's been a few years now. This is like 10 Get years some Dio ago. in there maybe. So, yeah, so it's yeah. Dio, Maiden, Metallica, yep. Priest. Ramp it up. Then, you know, whatever requests. Uh, invariably, there's like a Pantera request in the first hour that, that's going to be there no matter what. And then, you know, as the second hour starts, I would kind of veer towards more... Slayer and then Testament and then Overkill and then maybe, you know, of course, peppering in some newer stuff with everything. And then by the third hour, which was 10 You're to 11. You're just playing Devourment and Last Days of Humanity. Yeah, and just, just play whatever I kind of. Dosing people with by. heinous sounds, right? Right, right. Because, I mean, you know, <laughs> most people at that point are, are either on their way to the bar or at the bar oh, already. Yeah. So it sick. was, you know, you, at that point, you, you kind of just fly under the radar and just play whatever the hell you wanted. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it's it like you got to kind of ease them in and just keep yeah. people happy, you know. So if we are, uh, let's turn the clock back a little bit further. Let's go back to the beginning of your musical career. What was the first <laughs> album that you purchased with your own money? First album I purchased with my own money was in 19, must have been 1985 or 86. So it's kind of hard to figure out the chronology back then, but I was in... 
sixth grade, I guess. And the first tape I ever bought with my own with my own money was "Licensed to Ill" by the Beastie Boys. Nice, sick. And then uh, I think it was "Raising Hell" by Run DMC, "Radio" by LL Cool J. Um, that was like what I was into. And then, like, Two Live Crew, I think, was happening right around okay. the same time. So yeah. what, what sent you down the, uh, the direction of, of the dark <laughs> stuff, the, the, um, the metal path? I think there was a kid that transferred to my school in sixth grade, and he asked me if I liked heavy metal. And I was like, what the f- what's heavy metal? You're like, nah, man, I got my Adidas on. I got my gold chain, dude. Well, I, 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 I went about. to a private school, so we all had sweaters and okay. corduroy pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just didn't know what heavy metal was, and... and um, you guys bleep stuff out, right? Oh, yeah, of course, okay, yeah. Cool. So I think he was like, oh, he f***ing I was like, what, huh? What? <laughs> I was like, who is this kid? Like, it's just some kind of music, right, I guess? And so I just wanted to, that kind of piqued my curiosity. Yeah. And then I guess by this time it was 86, maybe, um, late 86, because it was like... Uh, or maybe early 87, because it was like it was Ozzy's like tribute. Master of Puppets uh, was out and all that. That wasn't what I heard first, though. Okay. The first metal album I bought was Look What the Cat Dragged In by Poison. Nice. So, <laughs> um, but like, uh, yeah, Tribute, that Ozzy live record had just come out. Oh, yeah. And um, White Snake. So it must have been 87, because White Snake's self-titled was a new album at the time. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, then I heard like Twisted Sister, Quiet Riot, sure. Maiden, and then I got the twelve tapes for a penny deal. Okay, yeah, BMG or, or Columbia House. Or yeah, Columbia yeah. House. I yeah. think it was. And then yeah. in those twelve tapes was Master of Puppets. And then once I heard that, I was like, well, I don't need these other tapes anymore. Like, <laughs> all right, You're right. And then that was kind of the beginning of you know everything that led towards you know getting into death metal and everything so what's your first death metal band what was the first record i'm um, sure you could probably yeah I, I think that the first death metal tape i got was scream buddy gore and that would nice. have been in yeah probably early 80 early 88 i guess and i wasn't really sure like, yeah were you into it at first or was it too much at first it was a little i liked it but i was like I don't, there's something different about this and i yeah. didn't know the difference between thrash and death metal sure. you know i was like it's all I, just extreme. Right. I mean, I liked, like, Flag of Hate and, like, Persecution Mania and records like that. And I thought that this was kind of in that same category, but slightly different. And then I remember as that year went on, you, you kind of started getting the idea that there was this other sort of kind of music that was starting to get noticed. And that, yeah. was, that was death metal. And then I heard um, the Peel Sessions by Napalm Death in, oh, yeah. in 1989. And then that was like completely mind blowing. That just changed everything as well. That, that was like Master Puppets and that album were the two that just like the switch was flipped yep. and nothing would ever be the same. All right, you know? all right. it's all a downhill or uphill from here, depending <laughs> on how you look at it, right? right. Uh, so obviously, you know, you guys are uh, obviously very uh, influenced by horror based on the name, horror, right, right. Uh, the new <laughs> album. So um, was that something you were always into? Like kind of growing up or like what were the first couple uh, like horror films that kind of also flipped the switch for you? Um, the, the first one I really remember kind of choosing as a little kid and being affected by was like the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. I remember that, that, that scared me and then I couldn't sleep that night. And I, I had to be like nine years old maybe. Never sleep the same, man. And I remember finally I fell asleep at like four in the morning or whatever and I woke up the next day and everything was fine and I was like, I'm an idiot. That's just a movie. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I can just watch this and have fun with it. And then that went downhill really quickly because before I was even, before I even knew what metal was, I was already like trying to 
con my parents or my friends' parents. You know, even when you have slumber parties, you know, we were watching like Toxic Avenger, yep. and Reanimator, and Hellraiser, and Layer of the White Worm, and all these like sort of mid and early '80s. Uh, films and chopping mall. Yeah, that was all <laughs> great stuff, man. And and I think once I got into metal, and then specifically once I started hearing Scream Buddy Gore, that was when it kind of clicked. Like this is the audio version of these movies. And really, I mean, you know, horror and and metal have been intertwined since the beginning. Black Sabbath is a movie first, and oh, then yeah. it was a band. Yeah. So. Um, it's just such a natural marriage and you know uh, I think that we've always sung about horror and gore and splatter stuff and, and I think that as a death metal band to me I was like well well, do you sing about death because that's why it would be death metal if you sang about outer space it would be called outer space metal right. and of course now there are loads of death metal bands that sure. do sing about outer space but when I was first getting into this I was like that was the the norm really you either saying about like satanism or you saying about gore and horror yeah so, yeah cool man or uh, let's uh let's talk here for a little bit <laughs> what what was your first guitar um my first guitar i think my dad had an old acoustic guitar and i was like after hearing master puppets i was like i'm gonna write songs i'm gonna be in band that's what i'm gonna do and so I asked my parents for a guitar, and they're like, there's a guitar in the closet. I was like, no, like an electric guitar. They're like, well, play that one for a few months, and we'll see. And so I did, and I, you know, kind of picked up a few things. And like, my uncle was a jazz fusion guitar player, and my grandma was a piano teacher. So I, you know, it seemed like okay, like people can play instruments. You know, like I can figure this out. So I just kind of dicked around for a few months, and then we got went to the flea market and got this like really. Uh, Gibson SG copy, yeah. bargain basement kind of thing. And then a friend of mine was like kind of, this was eighth grade, uh, so this would have been 88, I guess. He was kind of getting getting out of music and into like, you know, chicks and stuff. Oh, yeah. um, and so he sold me his little crate practice amp. And then I got an Epiphone Les Paul that was sort of my first, you know, proper instrument that, you know, is not a piece of trash. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of my, my first guitar. All the early, early Exhumed stuff was written on that. But I never played it live because it was like a sunburst. And I was like, this is not a death metal guitar. Like, it should be like a, you know, either like a... A super strat style or something pointier or whatever so i would always borrow somebody else's guitar until i got an ibanez rg i want to say it's like a 570 yeah because i had a job by then like i was you know this was like 91 92 um and i was working at a car wash when i was 15 my parents were like get a job and i was like cool now i can just buy records and and guitars and stuff but mostly records <laughs> like those those old ibanez rgs were freaking awesome no that was a great guitar man it played awesome and it was uh yeah i i i, I kind of miss actually both that and that epiphone i wouldn't mind having either of those guitars today what are you playing on now um i'm i've been working with the sp for the last couple of years um and i'm very very happy with the with the guitars um I, I'm really into V's, so um, <clears throat> that, they're the perfect company for me. I, um, I have my white ESP Arrow with me, and then my backup guitar is the ESP Eclipse, which is that Les Paul kind of shape. Um, they're both 
great guitars. Uh, they both play great. I got the Eclipse because we're in South America earlier this year. Nice. And when you fly every day, you don't want to do it with a gigantic flying V case because oh, yeah. they're going to charge you extra. Or they're going to try to charge you extra. And my Spanish is yeah. not really good enough to argue like, no, 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 you can't charge me for this. I would just be like, uh, uh sure. Where's the library? Yeah. You know, that exactly. kind of stuff. That's the level of my Spanish. <laughs> yep. So, exactly. So I got the smaller guitar with a smaller case. And it okay. Great and yeah. yeah, no ESP is. I mean, they're kind of like the leading metal guitar manufacturer right now, and it's very clear why to me anyway. Nice, dude. Um, all right, so winding down, just got a couple questions here. What uh, we all know, the big four thrash, you know, at least is that's what people uh, know: Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth, Metallica. Right. If you had to pick the big four of death metal, what would it be? Well, I mean, it's a little bit. It's a little bit tough to kind of use it to, to compare it because the big four was a term that was minted in the 80s yeah. because those are the four records selling the most or the four bands selling the most records when the genre was commercially new and at its sales peak. Okay. So if I was to go back and think about when death metal was new and at its commercial peak, let's just that would let's, be circa let's reword 1992. Two-ish? Let's reword it. Mount Rushmore. I want it. You want to hear? Okay, sure, sure. So I would say in 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 like '92, probably the big four would have been uh, Death, Obituary, probably Morbid Angel, and then I don't know if it probably would have been Napalm Death at the time because they were selling truckloads of records and Cannibal was still kind of coming up. I mean, Cannibal has sort of since outlasted everybody and become the biggest death metal band uh, in terms of commercial success and cultural cachet um, in certainly in the United States ever. Um, But at the time in in 92, those were sort of the four leading bands. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're my four favorite. I'm more of like a napalm carcass Death and repulsion would be my fourth. Sweet, I, I think that might have been the coolest answer to that question that I've ever heard. No, absolutely, most <laughs> yeah, it's very unique. Was yeah, nice. absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like you're kind of like a scholar of death metal. So I mean, you or just a nerd. You hang around <laughs> long enough, you pick up some. Which we we all, I mean, that's like the reason why we do a radio show is we just love nerding out and playing metal, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I spent way, way too much time thinking about this stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Hey, it's it's treated you well. I mean, obviously, it's it's provided a life for you, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, when I think about it, it's like so many aspects of my life would have happened differently if I wasn't involved yep. in this music. I mean, for everything from, you know, my friends and meeting my wife to having so many different experiences and traveling different places. And yeah. so it's, uh, it's, it's really been a, a net positive, you know, singing about rotting corpses has worked out okay for me. Right? <laughs> That's the quote of the night. <laughs> well, you seem to still have your thumb on the pulse and still be a fan of the music. Um, what are some of your favorite newer albums in 2019, and uh, who are some up-and-coming bands that you think are doing it right? Um, I'm not really super great with like the timeline of like when things are, are coming out anymore or have come out. Um, I know that there's uh, like a, this record was really good, yeah, Blood Offerings by Necrop, but I think that was. 2018. Is it that old now? Yeah. Holy Jesus, this guy's been on tour forever. Um, I thought that was a, a really great record. Uh, Through Wilderness by Mortuous, Chad from Necrot's other band, uh, which was actually features our old gu- exhumed guitar player Mike Beam, so I'm a little nice. biased, but I thought yeah. that was a great record, but I think that was also last year. 
Um, the new Gate Creeper is really cool. They've definitely, they were a band. I was like, yeah, these guys are pretty good. But after being on tour, they've really like won me over from, yeah, from me being like, yeah, these guys are pretty good. Like, hell yeah. So that that's always nice. Um, I think uh, the PLF put out that jackhammering death blow of blah blah blah. Their titles are really long. Yeah. Um, I think PLF is one of the best they have some of the best riffs and, of and live they're so gnarly yeah just those so two guys fast. just destroying everything um there's other band of the cruelty is coming out with a new record that's going to be a monster um there's a band ripper they just came out with an ep and i can't remember the name of the ep but the record was experiment of existence that came out i think last year the ep is great it's got like a sadist like early atheist but really, really aggressive kind of South American vibe. Um, I think they're awesome, uh, you know. And it's a, it's a great time to be into death metal because uh, the new Tomb Old record was quite yeah. good. I thought that was that was really killer. What'd you think of the Nocturnus AD? You get a chance to check that out. I didn't really listen to it, but I was never like that big of a Nocturnus. Okay, fan fair enough. Fair enough. I, and this sounds super elitist, but I thought like the Science of Horror was a pretty killer demo, but the record was a little light. Yeah. Well. Um, you know, it's very unique sound. Like, I give him absolute credit for having for sure. a recognizable sound that you hear it and you know it's Nocturnus. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing to do for a band. Oh, so absolutely. Me not being a big fan is not a dig. Because there's plenty of fans. Right. Exactly. It's, just, it's so. just a case of my exactly. taste, you know. But we appreciate you being honest with it. And uh, so, um, you know, just a couple questions to wrap up. What are your plans for Exhumed in 2020, man? We're about the end of the decade, which is crazy. Yeah. You, you guys. I mean, I'm sure just continue touring and maybe, you know, I'm not yeah. going to speak for you, but what are your plans? We have, um, we're working on uh, some Australian, Japanese, and Asian dates. Cool. Um, coming up. So that's sort of been trying to coalesce and it looks good. Uh, we're going to Europe with Necrot for about six weeks in the summer. Sick. Um, doing a bunch of festivals and a bunch of other stuff. We're, I guess, when's this show going to air? Uh, this is Saturday night, so tomorrow night tomorrow night but it's it's in seattle so it's fine yeah um we're working on putting together another u.s tour for Sweet. next year already um we only have like nine more shows so yeah hopefully this it shouldn't have been the last nine yeah. shows um so that's not 100 percent for sure but um so we're doing that and then my other band gruesome is getting ready to we're getting material together to go into the studio in the first half of next year. So we should have a new album out coming out that, next that year. Awesome album was awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I, I mean, actually always run into the member of your band that sells merch. Robin, I yes. just saw her at King Diamond. Yep. I was like, gruesome. And she's like, hell yeah. <laughs> she's always, she, what's, is that like her full-time gig? Is, is just doing t-shirts for all well, kinds of different bands? She does merchandising. and she, She's a tour manager. Oh, okay. She's also a band manager. She Sweet. co-manages Exodus. Metal she, is her life. Oh, yeah. It's her life. It's her livelihood. She was like a pharmacy tech, and she just stopped. She's like, I'm making more money. Sure, doing this. So, <laughs> yeah, no, she's great, and she's everywhere. And that's one of the reasons why we haven't toured as much is because between my schedule with Exhumed yep. and Dan also plays in Possessed, which going back to your albums of 20 killer record, man, probably what a my, my favorite record of the year. Oh yeah, I think the, the best comeback record I've ever heard in my life. It's crazy, um, man. Sorry, like I said, I'm not that great with this. Oh, it's all good, dude. But, um, there's just so much good stuff right, too. So. Right. So between Dan working with Possessed, my stuff with Exhumed, and then Robin working with everybody, oh yeah, it's been difficult for us to coordinate stuff. But we're we're trying to fix that and do a full U.S. tour next year. So if you like Fingers death, crossed. check out Gruesome. I mean, we're a tribute band. We're, yeah. we're a death tribute band. <laughs> yeah. We just write our own songs. Totally. You know, yep. Hey. 
Yeah. That's awesome, man. And uh, I guess one last question. Pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't even know if you can see it anymore, but I used to have this little crescent-shaped scar on my knuckle. Yeah, right on your knuckle. And um, Okay. I was, I was, I think it was 94, because I was going to see, it was Incantation and... Was it Incantation? No, it was Grave. And I think it was Grave and Demented and Ted and somebody were playing in Berkeley. And uh, That's awesome. I was standing outside in line, and they had this big sort of glass rectangle in front of the Berkeley Square sign for the venue. And um, I was just literally standing outside having a conversation just sort of gesticulating, and somehow my finger caught the glass plate just right, and... Made this really bad oh cut. Oh my god! Was bleeding profusely, and nobody believed me. I'm like, I just cut my hand on a sign. They're like, oh, dude, who did you punch in the face? Like, whose tooth cut your hand? Yeah. And I was like, no, I just cut it on the sign. And everyone's like, feeling the, like you couldn't cut yourself on it if you tried. You got to fight, man. Right. And so everyone's like, oh, dude, you must have somebody up. Like, it's cool. I'll keep it on the down low. I was like, no, dude, I just, I just cut my hand on a sign by accident. Yeah. So, anyway, I just thought that was a, a funny. That's story. funny, dude. Uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Hey. Hopefully. Exa- exactly. So, uh, do you have any final words for the Northwest before we uh, let you go and rock the stage? It's always good to be up here in Seattle. Uh, it's a little colder than I would like, but yeah. we're stoked to be here. Uh, we're, we're excited for tonight's show, and hopefully you went to the show and are now listening to the radio show. Exactly. Uh, Seattle's always been very, very kind to us. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, we're stoked to be here, man. It's going to be a, should be a rager. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.